Hello, welcome to my Two Cents Podcast, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. I am here to talk about the past uh, results that happened on Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW, and SmackDown. And also at this time, before this broadcast is over, I'm going to be talking about some more news-related incidents that happened in the World of Professional Wrestling that came out of AEW, WWE, and over in New Japan. But before I get to those, let me read off the results that happened this week. Starting off with Monday Night Raw, um, AJ Styles beat Elias by DQ when Jason Riker interfered and attacked AJ. Once Riker did that, Omos was starting to walk towards Riker up the ramp and Elias uh, took advantage of that and he started beating down on AJ more and then once a Omos figured out what happened. He started walking back to the ring, and that's whenever Elias starts to run across to the announcer's table and then behind like the little barriers that they have. That what happened in the first match on Monday Night Raw. The next segment that happened was Alexa Bliss had a backstage promo with Tamina and Natalia. She's still running with this um childish demon-esque doll thing that uh called Lily. And Alexa was playing off of Lily, saying that Lily likes uh, Natalia and likes Tamina. She was trying to figure out how uh, they like being SmackDown tag, well, women tag team champions. Natalia was playing nice with Alexa, while Tamina didn't really care for the whole shenanigans. She wanted to beat up Alexa quite, uh, to be honest with you. But Natalia had to calm Tamina down and tell her, hey, relax, we're just here to do this. And Alexa told Tamina that she's lucky that Lily likes you because you're acting rude. But she will be paying attention towards their match later in the night because she has some uh, she has somebody out there that she has her eye out for. That sent Tamina and Natalia with a bad vibe, but that's how the segment ended for that. The next thing that happened was Angel Garza beating Drew Gulak by pinfall. This was just a rest match. I mean, they're trying to make a backstory. They do have a backstory, but they're trying to make something of significance with Angel Garza and Drew Gulak with these two guys. There's nothing significant about this. Angel Garza should be doing something. He should try to pursue Natalia, which he was doing what? two weeks ago but somehow they dropped the ball on that or unless they're going to pick this up later in the future what probably next week off of what happened later tonight and i'm I'm gonna get to that in a minute but if they don't andrew garza should be doing something else he has too much talent and too much charisma to be wasting on this juvenile mess the next thing that happened was kofi kingston beats randy orton the match got situated and started because matt riddle tried to uh, Brandon New Day and Randy Orton together in a backstage uh, situation based off of last week because Orton RKO'd both Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. Matt Riddle was just trying to bring them all together. New Day told Matt, listen, Randy is a snake. He is always a snake. You need to wake up before he ends up hurting you. In the end, Riddle stuck up for Orton and said, hey, listen, man, he just feel hey, Randy's gonna feel sorry. You know it's Randy. We just gotta work at work on it and work on his temperament. But this is Randy. I'm pretty sure he's sorry. Randy said, I'm not I'm not sorry at all for doing what I did. As a matter of fact, I would do it again. And that's what led to Kofi and Randy having a match later on, in which Kofi will win by pinfall by the distraction of Xavier Woods. Xavier played the trumpet. And that distracted Randy, which led to Kofi getting him with a schoolboy and getting him with the pin after the match. Uh, Matt Riddle got in the ring and started talking to Xavier, asking him if that wasn't cool. That how, Why would you distract Randy like that? And Xavier was like, hey, man, Kofi's my partner. This is my guy. Randy is a whatever. And they're still trying to convince Riddle that Randy is... A snake, you shouldn't trust him. And in the background, you see Randy just being furious, furious, and just he looks like he wants to do something so bad while Riddle is talking to the New Day. And in the end, it led to Randy walking out of the ring and walking up the ramp. 
And Riddle sees this. He's about to walk and try to follow Randy. Kofi, no, not Kofi. Xavier grabs Riddle by the arm and tries to pull him around so they continue talking to him. Riddle pushes Xavier Woods, leaving Xavier to fall on the ring. And Riddle walks out of the ring, try to and starts walking up the ramp behind Randy. Xavier gets up and he is furious. He starts saying, Who do you think you are? Pushing me, putting his hands on me. Who do you think he is? So I can see this leading up to probably in a match next week with Riddle and Woods. We'll just have to see. Uh, the next thing after this was Tamina and Natalia beat Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax to retain their tag team championships by pinfall. Before the ending of the match, Reginald was about to interfere. And as he was walking up the steps, Pyro blasted off the ring post like Kane's fiery Pyro. And it gave the illusion that it hit Reginald in the face. And Reginald starts flying onto the ground and starts covering up his face. And Nia Jax walks over to him and starts caring for Reginald while Shane is in the ring just trying to defend off Natalia and Tamina, which led to uh, Natalia, no, not Natalia, I believe it was Tamina, uh, getting the pinfall off of Shayna. So that's how Shayna and Jax lost the match to Natalia and Tamina. The next thing that happened was Sheamus beat Ricochet in a rematch from their match at uh, WrestleMania Backlash. Sheamus yet again beats Ricochet, but this time... Ricochet doesn't get up and steal Sheamus's gear or jacket or hat. This time he's just laid out on the ring. Next thing to have Oscar beats Charlotte by pinfall, thanks to Rhea Ripley distracting Charlotte. The next thing to happen was Damian Priest beats John Morrison by pinfall, and this time in an actual lumberjack match, not the lumberjack match that he had the night before against the Miz, where zombies. Or around the ring. No, these were professional wrestlers around the ring. Damian Priest beats John Morrison by pinfall. And in the main event, Lashley issued an open challenge, which the rest of the roster thought it was an open challenge for the WWE Championship. And Kofi Kingston answered that call. And we all thought as watching at home, we thought, okay, Kofi was going to go against Bobby Lashley for WWE Championship. And MVP had to clarify that, no, this open challenge is not for WWE Championship. I've never said that this was going to be for WWE Championship, which led to WWE playing a video package of earlier in the night in which Lashley said that he is issuing an open challenge and that was it. We all assumed that it was going to be for the WWE Championship, but it, in the end, it was not. And in the end, Kofi still beats Lashley, but thanks to Drew McIntyre hitting Bobby Lashley with MVP's cane. Um, this happened by the referee being distracted by MVP. MVP was going to hit uh, Kofi with uh, his cane, but Drew McIntyre comes from behind the barricade, grabs MVP's cane, and then he hits Lashley in the gut with it, which allowed Kofi to get through pinfall, uh, the schoolboy again on Lashley and gets the one, two, three. So on Monday Night Raw, Randy Orton and Bobby Lashley, two, well, former WWE champions, one that's a current, and Randy, who's a former, but still two WWE champion caliber men were pinned by Kofi Kingston who held the WWE championship so now we might see Kofi Kingston starts to elevate himself back into the main event picture at least that's the little thread of hope that we can get but who's to say what Raw or WWE management has to do later next week well this week coming on Monday Night Raw we can only hope that Kofi gets back into the main event uh, picture that Rightfully, he deserves to be in. Now on to NXT. First thing that happened was Tony Storm beats Zoe Stark by pinfall. And then after the match, Frankie Monet uh, interrupts. Well, not interrupts. She's on the stage and they have the light beaming down on her. And it has on the back 
of the Titan Tron, saying that she will debut next week. So Frankie Monet will be having her in-ring debut next week. She was only there to advertise that after the match. The next thing that ha happened on NXT was they had a hype package for Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor next week for the NXT Championship. And yet again, I wonder how does NXT get great hype packages while on the main roster, WWE Raw and SmackDown, when there was uh, pay-per-view time, yes, they'll get some good hype packages, but a lot of them aren't that well. Well packaged up, well uh, featured, well created structured-wise, while NXT, when there was a big fight feel, whether it be War Games or for the North American Championships or even for the Women Champion uh, Women Title, and especially even the NXT Championship, whenever it's time for them to really like put a lot of stock behind these championship or big uh, event matches, their promo packages, their uh, hype videos are so creative, so uh, mapped out so well, so uh, just structured why so brilliant while on the main roster, which is supposed to be big money, that's where the big caliber, that's where the big uh, tickets get sold by and that's supposed to be where all like the entertainment value comes in you would think on the entertainment side their high packages should be crisp and clean the cleanest of clean but it's not but i digress is the high package is supposed to get you excited and amped up to watch the match that's being advertised so that's what nxt was able to do with this high package for Karrion Cross and uh, Finn Balor next week for the NXT Championship. The next thing after that was Jake Atlas. He beats Cameron Grimes by pinfall, but thanks to Ted DiBiase coming out on the entrance ramp and distracting Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes and Ted DiBiase has had a little feud going on. Basically, Ted DiBiase constantly uh, big brothers Cameron Grimes on the money factor saying that I have more money than you. You're nowhere compared to the million dollar man. And Ted DiBiase will be back on NXT next week. So we'll see how far they're going to continue to take this whole. My money is bigger than your money. You don't have this type of money like I do. The next thing that happened was Killian Dane. He beat Alexander Wolf by pinfall. And then after the match, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel of Imperium kicked him out of Imperium. They beat Alexander Wolf up and then they did their uh Imperium stance and that signified that Alexander Wolf was kicked out of Imperium. The next thing that happened was Legado del Fantasma beats Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher by pinfall. Thanks to Grizzly Young Veterans, they attacked Tommaso uh before the match ends, which led to Legado del Fantasma hitting their tag team finish on Tommaso Ciampa getting the windfall, well, win over Tommaso, which leads to Legato being the number one contenders for the NXT Tag Team Champions. Bobby Fish uh, challenges Pete Dunne to a match. It didn't happen this week, but somewhere down the line, we will be getting Bobby Fish going against Pete Dunne. The next thing that happens is Saray. She beats Aaliyah by pinfall. This was just another quick match just to get Saray another win on her winner's uh, bracket. The next match that happened was Hit Row, which out of Hit Row, it was Top Dollar and Ashanti the Adonis beating Tony Nese and Davari by pinfall. And then after the match, Swerve, uh, Isaiah Scott, he came on the mic and said, I don't care who wins out of the steel cage match between Bronson Reed and Johnny Gargano. I'm going to let the winner know right now. I'm up next for that North American Championship. That's how that ended. And then the next match, the main event of NXT was the steel cage for the North American Championship. Bronson Reed going against Johnny Gargano. And Bronson Reed beats Johnny Gargano by pinfall inside the steel cage. So now we have a new North American Champion, Bronson Reed. On AEW... The first match to have it was Christian Cage beating Matt Seidel, and Taz was on commentary. He was very, very uh, in the middle. He didn't really like that Matt 
Seidel stuck his nose in Team Taz's business with Christian. And obviously he doesn't like Christian. So he was really in the middle. He was able to give each other props whenever they performed good moves. But he was also able to dog them out whenever he was able just to spit out hateful venom towards them. Anyway, after the match, Team Taz attacks both Christian and Matt Seidel. So your last picture of that was... Team Taz standing over Matt Seidel and Christian. After that, you had John Moxley and Eddie Kingston beating the claim by pinfall. After that match, you had Darby Allen and Sting attacking Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky as they were doing their in-ring promo. Sky and Page were talking about how they brutalized Sting and Darby Allen does have the TNT Championship thanks to Scorpio and Ethan Page. Which leads to Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky getting a match with Darby Allen and Sting. It's not a cinematic match. This will be a legit tag team match in a ring. This will not be no cinematic camera cuts. This will be inside a ring in front of a live audience. So this will be Sting's first match in, I believe, six years back in a wrestling ring. So that's going to be impressive at double or nothing. The Pinnacle had a backstage, well, they had a segment, and they were talking about how they should be at the, they should be chasing championships, but instead they're still going against guys at the inner circle. They're still going against them, and hopefully at Stadium Stampede, once this is all said and done, the inner circle will be done, and they will be able to go off to challenge for championship gold. After that segment, you had Sheeta, Hikaru Sheeta, beating Rebel by submission, after the match, Britt Baker attacked Sheeta to let her know that at double or nothing, she's going to be walking out with the AEW Women's Championship. After this, we had the Inner Circle basically accepting the Pinnacles challenge for a stadium stampede match with the condition that if the Inner Circle does lose, they will disband and not be able to team up forever in AEW. After that, we had Serena Deed beating Red Velvet by submission to retain her NWA Women's Championship. After that, you had Anthony Agogo beating Austin Gunn by TKO after he was able to hit three body shots and then he alley-ooped him up in the sky and punched him in the chin, which made the referee uh, call for the bell. So they're trying to really establish Anthony Agogo's punching power Anthony Gogo didn't do any fancy suplexes or hip toss or anything else. Nope, he went directly for the punches. This is establishing Anthony Gogo as being a puncher. He's not a wrestler. He's not here for none of that. He's here just to straight up demolish you and beat you up with punches. That's all he is establishing himself as to be. The next thing that happened was Kaz getting in a backstage uh, situation and he talked to an interviewer and he said that he is going after every member of the elite. Thanks to them, SCU, his best friend, Christopher Daniels, is basically contemplating retirement or not. And Christopher Daniels is his best friend and the elite have taken everything away from Cass. So now Cass is going to headhunt every member of the elite. So the elite now have to watch their back because they are making a whole lot of enemies at a very, very fast pace. With so much wrestlers going after the elite, whether it be on Impact or AEW, we're bound to have some Impact and AEW cross wrestlers jumping from either shows just to get their hands on the elite. That's what I'm picturing right now, but that will have more or less probably not happen, but I'm hoping that does happen. And in the main event, you had the Young Bucks beating the Varsity Blondes, which consists of Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. by pinfall. And then after the match, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston choked out the Young Bucks. And they, well, they did New York style. Kingston started to strip the Young Bucks of their shoes and socks. So they hijacked uh, the Young Bucks shoes, which they were wearing the Nike Dior's. I'm not sure whether they were fake or the real deal. But either way, they took 
the Young Bucks, Nike, Dior's, and that's was your final images that you saw on AEW Dynamite of the Young Bucks getting uh, their shoes ripped off of them. Impact Wrestling, the first match you had was Rohit Raju being Jake something by pinfall. Then after the match, Jake something attacked uh, Shira after the match, and he put him through a table. After this match, you had Tennille Dashwood beating Kiara Hogan by pinfall. And then after the match, you had Tasha Steeles, Deanna Perrazzo, Susan, Kimberly, Taylor Wilde, and Havoc all brawling in the ring, which led to Steeles, Hogan, Deanna, Susan, and Kimberly start walking up the ramp. But as soon as they got up the ramp, Decay came out and freaked all of them out. So they went all started to run. All the uh, bad girls of Tasha, Hogan, Deanna, Susan, and Kimberly started to run uh, for the hills once Decay came out. After this, you have Petey Williams beating VSK by pinfall. VSK is an enhancement talent, so this was basically a match to get PD a win in his win column, but also it let VSK be able to showcase himself more and let the people watching the show know who he is. After this match, you had Moose cut an in-ring promo. He was basically letting Kenny Omega know that he is not like anybody that he's faced before. He is a different being. And that is going to take a lot for Kenny to beat him. And he, he is going to bring the Impact Championship back to Impact. And as he is saying this, Kenny Omega and Don Callis comes out and interrupts. Don gets on the mic and tells Moose, listen, you are one of the most physically gifted and athletic superstars he has ever seen. And you have all the tools in the world, but you have never won a championship you haven't won a championship here. You even you never won a championship in Ring of Honor. And I'm surprised they said Ring of Honor because they don't Impact doesn't have a deal with Ring of Honor or nothing. Ring of Honor right now is technically by themselves, but they have still like a partnership with New Japan. But either way, so probably by proxy, they were able to name Ring of Honor by that. But anyway, Don was able to say that, and then Moose told him, Listen, I'm not like Rich Swan. You say one more thing out of your mouth, I'm going to rip your head off and I'm going to put your head up Kenny's butt. Kenny got the mic and he told Moose, listen, saying such filth like that will get you in trouble. You're going to get screwed up and you're going to be laid flat on your back messing around with me. And as he's saying this, Moose tells him, I can fight you right now. Kenny starts to, Kenny says, oh, we're going to fight? We're going to fight right now? Oh, okay. And then as he's doing this and saying this, the Good Brothers come down to the ring and they get on the ropes and they're about to enter the ring. And then a light goes out and then once it pops back on, Sammy Callahan's in the ring with a baseball bat. Kenny and Don Callis and the Good Brothers start running up the ramp and in the ring is Moose and Sammy Callahan. Moose and Sammy Callahan or the Impact Wrestling guys standing up against the invaders of Kenny and the Good Brothers and Don Callis. That's the lasting image that you have for that. The next thing that happened was Rachel Ellering beat Jordan Grace by pinfall. Jordan Grace wanted a match with Rachel Ellering to prove that she is still at the top of her game and prove that she's just not a weak link on uh, of the team. And in the end, she ends up losing. And then after the match, Rachel Ellering wanted a hug from Jordan Grace to let her know that it's okay. Everything's still fine. We're still the tag team. We're still good. Jordan hugged her, but it was like a reluctant hug. It was like, okay, you beat me, but I'm not in the mood type of hug. So after that was done, Rachel was left in the ring just like breathing like, okay, this is all done while you see up the going up the ramp. Jordan just shaking her head and like, I can't believe this. So she is now having these inner turmoils in her head. Is she the weak link or what she has to do to change herself? Within the next couple of weeks, you'll start. I have a good belief that we're going to start seeing changes within Jordan Grace. Uh, the next thing after this was the main event. Finn Juice beating 
Ace Austin and Madman Fulton to retain the Impact Wrestling Tag Team titles. But then after this match is where things got interesting. Violence by Design came out. And in Violence by Design, you have Rhino, Joe Doring, Eric Young, and Diener. Rhino was carrying a trophy that he won back in Bound for Glory at the Call Your Shot. Rhino could call his shot and ask for any championship match at any time in any place. So when Violence by Design came out, Rhino cashed in his Call Your Shot uh, opportunity and his for the tag team titles. It was him and Joe Doring. And they beat Finn Juice. Finn Juice was tired, so they beat down a weakened uh, champions. So now you have Violence by Design holding the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championships. This should be interesting for Impact going down the line. And also, Kojima, a New Japan uh, wrestler, a legend, a former IWGP World Champion, is going to be debuting on Impact next week. That should be interesting and also continuing the partnership of New Japan and Impact Wrestling to help bridge, uh, build bridges with between all professional wrestling. And hopefully with that bridge being built and being constructed, you will see Ring of Honor hopefully join in on this whole forbidden door business and go to Impact and storm Impact off of the voice and off the what the words of Don Callis said and tried to dismiss Ring of Honor as nothing. I'm hoping that's what happens. That will only make sense because all these small, and I don't mean to say small like that, I mean all these other companies that are not WWE, because WWE is like the big mecca, and I, and I know everybody knows this. Everybody in the world knows WWE is like the big mecca because WWE has their arms in every country either way. They need to come together and be able to work together so they all can allow each performers to make money. And with that being said, with that happening, especially with the world opening, you're able to give fans in every state an idea of, okay, we might see this wrestler here. Oh, what happens if we might see an Impact wrestler jump over on AEW this week while we're at the ticket sales? Is it basically a real life anything can happen at your event. So why would you not want to build up on that type of factor. Especially since the world's about to open up. That's just my free tip of advice for every wrestling company. That's not WWE. Join together so you guys can make a better experience for the paying customer. And hopefully that. And make them think that okay we might see uh, an Impact Wrestling star. Or whatever company star invade this show. I'm just saying that would be my... Uh, that will be my uh, business model, especially at this time. On SmackDown, the beginning of SmackDown was uh, the SmackDown champions except Roman. So that would mean Dominic and Ray, the SmackDown tag team champions. Bianca Belair, the SmackDown women's champion. Apollo Crews, the Intercontinental champion. And Natalya and Tamina, the women's tag team champions, were standing on the ramp. And Sonya Deville was inside the ring. Sonya Deville lets the news out to the wrestling audience, the WWE audience, that WWE is going back on the road starting July 16th. And this will be a 25-city tour. So starting July 16th, which will be a Friday, that will have five audience, a.k.a. you guys. The audience will be able to go there to WWE, to SmackDown, and be in person, be around each other, be around the camaraderie that we have missed, that we have been missing throughout all of 2020 that we haven't got since, well, no, since the beginning of 2020. I'll give it that. February was the last time the WWE ran like a live event show with audience before WrestleMania. But anyway, now on July 16th, Friday night, SmackDown will have the first live audience show since early 2020. And then after that, Money in the Bank, that Sunday, will have a live audience. And then that next night on Monday Night Raw, we'll have a live audience. And this is all in Dallas, Texas, those three dates so far. Those are the first three dates that have been like promoted 
on SmackDown and promote it on WWE. So that's a, a little keynote right there. WWE is going back on the road starting July 16th for this 25 city tour. I'm not sure what else they're going to do with these. If it's going to expand out after that, these 25 cities are done. Or are they going to periodically do city by city? I'm not sure. I'm just letting you guys know that is the big uh, thing that came out of WWE besides something else that I will be covering later. Um, After this, the first match of the night was Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, and Bayley beating Tamina Natalia and Bianca Belair by submission. Shayna Baszler locked in the sleeper hold on Natalia and made Natalia tap. That's how Baszler, Bailey, and Jax won the match. After this match, you had Nakamura beating Baron Corbin by pinfall. But before the match happened, you had Nakamura have his own special entrance thanks to a guy named Rick Boogs. Yes, Rick Boogs, R-I-K-B-O-O-G-S. He was the uh, Night Panther in the Old Spice commercials that WWE did with their partnership. He came out playing an electric guitar for Shinsuke Nakamura since Nakamura is wearing Baron Corbin's crown that he took from him last week. Nakamura is still rocking the crown. And as a matter of fact, I think we might see Nakamura make his own crown. And we'll see the King Strong style going against the King of SmackDown. And we'll finally get uh, that whole gimmick of King off of Corbin. I see it now. King versus King. We'll see what happens down the line. That would be my story pitch. I see it happening that way. But that's just me. Anyway, Nakamura did defeat Baron Corbin by pinfall thanks to Rick Boogs. He distracted Corbin by playing the electric guitar on the announce table which allowed Corbin to turn around and not pay attention to Nakamura, which whenever he did turn back around, Nakamura got him up in a small package and got him for the pin of one, two, three. After this, we had Roman Reigns have an in-ring promo, which Roman allowed Paul Heyman to sing his praises. And Paul was going on so much about how Roman is the reigning, undisputed universal champion. He is the tribal chief. He has been undefeated since he's come back to SmackDown, come back to WWE, and yada, yada, yada. Cesaro comes out and interrupts this. And as Cesaro is interrupting this whole Roman Reigns kiss butt segment, he gets blasted by Seth Rollins, and Rollins starts going to work on Cesaro's arm. The referees comes out to break it up. And as they do this, Rollins does go along with the referees, but he plays possum with it because he's faking it. He goes along and then he outruns the referees and he hits a curb stomp on Cesaro. After that, he goes and he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. And the referees and the officials like, okay, you done? Yeah, I'm done. And then he runs right around them again and he curb stomps Cesaro Again, now this is the second time Curb stops him. And now you see the medical personnel comes out with a stretcher. And he puts Cesaro on a stretcher and Rollins is just in bizarro land. Like he's like bug-eyed out. He's just so freaked out. And that whole loss to Cesaro at Mania has flipped the switch on Seth to now become like this paranoia bug-eyed man. And that's the image that you were left with Cesaro being stretched out and Seth Rollins being this bug-eyed creature saying that he is the end-all, be-all. After this, you had the Dominic beating Robert Roode by pinfall. This was just a throwaway match. And then you had the main event, Apollo Crews. He beats Biggie, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn to retain his Intercontinental Championship by pinfall. And thanks to Aleister Black. Aleister Black comes back, and the lights go out. Well, the entrance light goes out, and the time trial goes dark. The main lights are still flashed onto and shine onto the ring, while Biggie is just watching the entrance ramp like he can't believe what's going on or anything. And from the mist and shadows that are coming up from the ramp, 
you see a figure walking from that mist and clouds. It's Alistair Black. He takes his hood off. He gets in the ring. And Alistair and Biggie are just facing off at one another and just looking at one another. Apollo is holding the leg of Biggie so he can't run off nowhere. And Alistair straights up, spinning back kicks the black mass. That's what it's called, a spinning back kick. Uh, Biggie in the face. And that led to Apollo pinning Biggie to get the win and retain his Intercontinental Championship uh, in the SmackDown main event. I don't know what they're going to try to do with what they're trying to do with that. With Alistair going after B as his first person. But I will say this. I can't wait for this because Alistair is always a explosive, uh, very quick striking individual. Quick striking uh, wrestler, quick striking performer. And Biggie, he has a lot of speed for his... Uh, built he's a very muscular man and for him to have that much speed as he has this should be a great match whenever they do decide to pull that trigger on biggie versus alistair black now aew has released their full match card for uh aew double or nothing which will happen next week on the 30th of sunday of may so what that means is ladies and gentlemen you will not be getting this Wrestling Highlights portion on next Saturday. You'll be getting it the Monday following AEW Double or Nothing. You will be getting this the Monday after. So let me give you that date right now. You will be getting the Wrestling Highlights portion of my show on May 31st. That's whenever I will be giving you the highlights of the week from Monday Night Raw all the way to Double or Nothing and give you the results of what happened on Double or Nothing. Now, let me give you my predictions on what's going to happen at Double or Nothing because these are the matches that have been announced. Basically, I'm going to give you my predictions of the matches. Uh, the Young Bucks will be going against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston for the tag team titles. I am picking the Young Bucks to win. They need to continue this storyline that they have between Moxley and Kingston. And if they were to give Moxley and Kingston the win over the Bucks now and have them win the titles, I don't see what type of good that will come from it. I uh, Sting and Darby Allen going against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Sting and Darby Allen will be getting the win. Sky and Page, they I'm not gonna say they don't need it, but Sting is a legend and Darby Allen is still like the third biggest name on AEW's like fastest rising stars. So I can see them giving Sting and uh, Darby Allen the win for this because Sting will be in front of a live audience and this will be his first match in front of a live audience in front of actual ring in an actual ring in like six years. So I see AEW giving him that little uh, bow and little head nod to the fans so they can get that up and just eat it up as fans. Uh, the Pinnacle is going to beat the Inner Circle as they in the stadium stampede to break up the inner circle. It's time. It's time for the inner circle to break up. It's time for Jake Hager to do something with himself and become a big star. It's time for Sammy Guevara to be the big franchise uh, star that we all know he can be. It's time for Santana Ortiz to not, I'm not going to say play fiddle, but in the inner circle, they were not given as many opportunities as they should have gotten right now. They should have been AEW Tag Team Champions have that on their resume reading down. But that hasn't happened. So hopefully with them now being away from the circle, at least in my prediction, I see them being like one of the best tag teams in AEW. And you'll see them constantly, almost every week, building up their wins on their winning columns instead of a whole lot of losses from time to time that you did see them in tag team competition. I see... Adam Page beating Brian Cage. I see Miro retaining his TNT Championship against Archer for the normal contendership battle royal for the world title. I see Christian Cage winning the battle royal. He's the only guy right now that makes sense and at least is getting TV time out of all the competitors that are announced for that uh, battle royal. After uh, the next match that on the list is Britt Baker beating Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's title. That is my prediction. I have Anthony Ogogo beating 
Cody. Uh, Cody, it's time for Cody. I'm not going to say it's time for Cody to leave, but I see them like really trying to raise the stock on Anthony Agogo. And Cody's always like the guy, like if you want to prove yourself in AEW, like really truly prove yourself, you get thrown to Cody so Cody can work with you and show you the ropes of how to work big television spots, big main event issues, and also to give you that shine because Cody is uh, one of the big stars in AEW, like one of the guys that everybody can't wait for him to be like world champion one day, even though he is trying to stick to the stipulation that he did have with Chris Jericho late to in 2019, that if he lost Chris Jericho at uh, full gear, he would never get a shot at the AEW World Championship. Cody's trying to maintain that, but... As I said before, Cody is still one of the big names. People want him to win the world title somewhere down the line. And he is like the gatekeeper of AEW, like the big time star. You want to prove yourself, prove yourself against me. And I see them doing that with Ogogo and actually giving Ogogo the win. And in the main event, I have Kenny Omega beating Orange Cassidy and Pac to retain his AEW world title. It is too early for Kenny to lose that championship, and especially in the three-way match against Orange Cassidy and Pac. No disrespect to Pac. Pac is not at the time right now to win the AEW world title. It's not the time. Pac hasn't been in nothing memorable right now. He's in death triangle. These are guys that are consisted of Pac, Phoenix, and Pentagon. Penta is a great uh, stylistic looking character. Ray Phoenix, he's a great professional wrestler who can do everything like speed wise and springboard wise. Pack, he is perfect package. He can power game with people. He's speed. He can do submission. But Pack hasn't been in nothing like big significant yet. Like has any of value. So I can see them not giving the belt to Pac while Kenny, he's on everything. He's on Impact. He's on AEW. And he now is going to be defending his AAA championship against the recently released Andrade in AAA uh, Triple Mania. Their little AAA is like big uh, show for them down in Mexico. So Kenny is going to be everywhere. So for them to now have Kenny lose the belt at double or nothing, that wouldn't make sense, especially to uh, Pac or Orange Cassidy at the moment. Kenny's retaining. That's the easiest answer to give out of this whole match card. Now on to my news that I've uh, looked at and found online. New Japan news. Will Ospreay had to, re- well, vacate his... IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So what that means is right now there is no champion. Well, there's nobody's the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Well, Osprey had to give the title up because he has some neck injuries after his match against uh, Shingo at Wrestling Dantaku. And thanks to that match, Osprey has some nagging uh, neck injuries. So... New Japan sent him home to England, and they don't know a specific time in which Osprey will be back, so they had him vacate the championship. Now, here's my logical brain thinking here. They have a yearly tournament called the G1 in New Japan. And the G1 is basically a tournament that consists of 20 of the best wrestlers that New Japan has to offer, and it has 10 guys in A block and 10 guys in B block and every guy has to go against every person in each block so if you're in A block you go against everybody at least once in A block and if you're in B block you go against everybody in B block at least once and you tally up the wins by how you win if you win by pinfall or submission, you get a certain amount of points. If you win by DQ, you get a certain amount of points. If you win by ring out, you get a certain amount of points. That's how that type of thing works. And 
you get the winner of A block going against the winner of B block to see who is the winner of the whole G1. That's how G1 works. In this situation now, since New Japan doesn't have a world champion, and usually the winner of the G1 goes and faces the champion at Wrestle Kingdom, their big show, their WrestleMania in New Japan. Instead of that happening now, they should have whoever wins the G1 is now the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. I see that coming, but I haven't seen confirmation from anybody say it. That's just me throwing my hat into the ring, my my idea into the uh, forefront for New Japan. Shoot, you can use that, and I'm pretty sure there's other... Uh, people telling you that right now. I'm pretty sure you guys thought about that already. But if you haven't, there's your uh, thing right there. And by doing so, you crown a new champion. And also you get all these contenders down the line. Because in G1, you got guys that you never really would have thought of uh, being in the contendership or in the eyes of the fans being worthy of being almost even in the idea or realm of Okay, he can probably be world champion, or he can have this good match with this guy in for a championship opportunity. You get so many guys that's going to show out in this tournament that nobody ever would have thought of or paid attention to. So with this, you get a new champion, and you get a buttload of contenders that people will want to see the champion go against down later. And also, you get to build up, okay, the runner-up can probably go against... Uh, the champion later down a couple months later or you'll build a story of okay here's the runner-up so you have the runner-up or you have the four runner-ups of a block going against the four runner-ups of b block later down the months and those guys will go against one another and the winner of that or those whole uh semi-finalists will be the guy that will go against the champion at wrestle kingdom i'm just saying there's a whole list of Ideas you could do with this. That's the New Japan news that I have. Now with AEW news. AEW will be moving Dynamite to TBS on July 2022. While in August of this year. August 13th on a Friday. AEW will be debuting a new show called Rampage. AEW Rampage. At 10 o'clock. August 13th on a Friday, AEW will now have a second show called AEW Rampage. So Friday night will be a long night for your boy. I'll be watching SmackDown, which starts at 8 o'clock to 10. And then after SmackDown goes off, click over to AEW to be watching Rampage. That's another show I'll be watching. Another uh, thing of wrestling I'll be watching. Man, it was a great time to be a professional wrestling fan. But boy, if you have to really cover these things and like, if this is what you want to do, you got to be up at night and which I'm good with that. I'm cool with it. I'm just saying, if you're not cool with it down, well, I'm not going to say, well, yeah, have a get a cable company and TiVo or record the show. And so you can skip the commercials and skip everything else down the line, skip the boring parts and just get to the parts that you want to watch. That's what I would do if I were you, if you weren't uh, truly interested in professional wrestling. But you'll get some magic here and then they'll probably sneak up on you that you'll be like, oh, okay, I'll watch this because you know this guy in it. And you'll probably get hooked after that. But anyway, that would be my solution to that for anybody that's going to be watching as many as all these shows that I'd be watching on uh, for professional wrestling. And also, with the move to... TBS that AEW will be doing what AEW will be doing in uh, January of 2022. They have announced that they are not switching over the TNT title to TBS title. They're still going to keep that as the TNT title. So there you go. They're still under Turner and TNT was the last uh, station that aired professional wrestling and TBS was like the big station in the early area that aired professional wrestling so i see what aew is doing 
they're doing a reverse WCW. WCW, in the end, ended off on TNT, while in the beginning, they aired on TBS. While now, I'm not saying anything's going to happen to AEW. They just want to follow up the lineage that WCW did lay the foundation for in honor alternative wrestling, which WCW, Jim Crockett, World Championship, however you want to pronounce it, they were the alternative to Vince McMahon's WWE back in the eight, well, late 80s, early 90s. So that's what AEW was, well, is, and will be doing. And they're going to be following tradition of past uh, great wrestling companies. And WWE this week, they let off another round of roster cuts. But this time it was down in their NXT division, their developmental division. And these are the names. Alexander Wolf, Ezra Judge, Skylar Story, Vanessa Bourne, Jasmine Duke, Kavita Devi, Drake Wentz, Jake Clemens, and Velveteen Dream. Alexander Wolf is, well, the only guy on this list that wasn't, like, truly fired. He was his contract just didn't get renewed by WWE. He had to put out a tweet and let the fans understand that his contract ends on June the 16th and they decided not to keep him. So that's how the report is coming out that he is now going to be well that he has been fired by the WWE. So you can basically consider him gone from WWE, and that was a shocker to everybody because he was just on NXT. As you heard me read off earlier, he was beat down by Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel, and you would think that he was going to get out his revenge on these two guys for kicking him out. That's what leads, That's what happens to professional wrestling. Usually when somebody gets kicked out of a stable or kicked out of a group, they usually come back for the revenge, but this time not so much. Uh, Alexander Wolf, he's just not going to get his contract renewed, and he's going to be gone, and he made it publicly to the uh, wrestling audience, so more than likely, you won't see him on NXT television. But the biggest shocking, well, biggest shocking news was the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream, he had the biggest uh, potential out of any person in NXT that wasn't a person that came back that well, they didn't have a name on the indies. Adam Cole, the Undisputed Era, Karrion Cross, uh, all those guys, uh, even Finn Balor, they all had a name on the independence before they came over to NXT. Velveteen Dream, he had no built, no nothing. He was only known for being on Tough Enough that aired on USA, but Let's be honest, nobody really cared for that. Nobody really looked at it like that. So Velveteen Dream came into WWE basically as a blank sheet of paper. The fans knew him just off of Tough Enough, and they would try to clown him for it. But after he was able to shake off that, people started to get into the Velveteen Dream character, his whole mystical uh, self, his whole Prince-esque type of character, if you will. His first feud in NXT that he had was with uh, Aleister Black. Aleister Black and him, Aleister Black made Velveteen Dream look like a million bucks. And whenever he had their match at War Games 2017, Aleister Black made Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream was a made man after that match with Aleister Black. People wanted to see the Velveteen Dream after that match. And which led to Velveteen Dream getting the matches against Ricochet, getting the match matches against EC3, getting the being a part of the first ever six man uh, ladder match for the newly debuting North American Championship for NXT, which led to the Velveteen Dream winning the North American Championship a year later. Velveteen Dream was just he was had the greatest up, he had the rocket on his back in NXT. There was no way you were going to tell me that he wasn't the future of WWE. He had entertainment down to a science almost 
every single NXT TakeOver event that he had. He had a special type of gear, special type of entrance situation set up for himself. I mean, he was special. And now that he got released by WWE, thanks to certain, certain aspects in his personal life, and I'm not going to go into it because, one, that is legal. I'm not going to go into something that, one, is basically legal and I could get me sued like a monkey. I'm not going to do that. And two, I'm not going to, I'm not sure if anything that happened personally was really truly, was that happened was truth or not. Things happen. If you want to know, you can look that up, do it for yourself. You got Google, you got Google on your phone, you got Google everywhere. You got technology in your pocket. Look it up for yourselves. But. He had the biggest upstart and uprising so much. He, it was ridiculous. You had WWE legends saying that he is the future. You had John Cena saying that he wanted a match with Velveteen Dream. And I said it to you guys a couple episodes ago, whenever they started making roster cuts about Samoa Joe getting cut and everything else. I told you Velveteen Dream's up next. I told you that he was up next. And the science that I had was because he hasn't been on NXT television since December of 2020. When you're that big of an act and you're that and you're as hot as fish grease and you get cut down by the knees because of actions that might may or may not have happened in the past by a year ago. Like I said, there are allegations out there that you can look it up for yourself. You get your legs cut off and then you're off of television since December 2020 when you were once the hottest thing on television. You know the writing on the wall for you about to go. You know the writing on the wall you're about to get terminated, you're about to leave. It's on the wall. And for Velveteen Dream to get cut, it's the biggest, it's one of the biggest, saddest things to happen in professional wrestling in this year. Well, besides the roster cuts of the first cutting happened, but Velveteen Dream, he had the biggest ups, the biggest upswing out of anybody that came out of NXT. And as a matter of fact, I think he would have done he would have done the best coming from NXT to WWE. If none of that situation happened, you had the fans rooting for you, you had people in the backstage rooting for you, you had the legends rooting for you, you had everybody rooting for you. But then one thing happened, and poof, all that's gone. You get cut. By the cut, you get your legs cut off from you, and then whoop, you're kicked down the drain. The only thing I can say is for Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark, listen, do what you got to do to get yourself right, get your emotions right, get yourself stable. Everything's going to be all right. You're in the wrestling business. People forgive and people forget. People might say, oh, we don't forgive and forget. Yes, you do. WWE allowed Hogan in. And I'll say it again, WWE allowed Hogan in, they'll be alright. If WWE let Ultimate Warrior in after they made a self-destructing DVD about Warrior, Velveteen Dream would be alright. Trust me, Velveteen Dream will be alright. And I'll say this right now, I think before Velveteen Dream hangs up the boots and actually retires, because if he retires now, that he's leaving a lot of money on the table. If he gets himself together and shows that he has got himself right and that he's not the same guy that which he once was, WWE will sign him again. There's so many talent that have got fired before and they were able to change their life after the firing and then WWE signed them back. That's just my deal on Velveteen Dream. It's just, it, it wasn't shocking to me, but as you could tell by the way I was talking, I just feel that he needs to work on himself and he needs whatever the case may be just do the work do whatever you got to do to get yourself together right and get yourself right so that you can be prosperous in this business that you love professional wrestling you'll be all right you'll be okay now that's my uh wrestling highlights of the week uh you'll be like i said you guys will be getting another episode of wrestling highlights of the week next uh, the next time you hear about this is on May 31st, and that'll be me covering Raw all the way to Double or Nothing. Give me giving you guys the results. Let me give you my uh, social media handles for 
So you can follow me on social media. On Twitter is at my two cents podcast. On Instagram is my two cents podcast G2. And for business inquiries, it's my two cents pod at yahoo.com. And it's never ever TWO. It's always you put the number two. And with that being said, this has been Gerald Garrett G2. Check me out tomorrow uh, morning, Sunday, when you'll be getting an episode from me talking about. I just want to have a conversation with the people. It's nothing really uh, specific. I'm going to be talking about different topics here and there, but I just want to have a talk. You guys are going to hear me just ponder a few things and just me just give you a little bit of my thoughts about certain uh, situations, but I'm not going to spoil it. You guys will be getting that uh, tomorrow on a Sunday. But as I said, this has been Gerald uh, Garrett G2. This has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week. I thank you. You'll be getting another episode Monday, not Monday, May 31st of Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And with that, I bid you guys adieu. Bye-bye. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.